Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Jackie Nelson. For more information about this podcast or for other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. If our love were but more simple, we should rest upon God's word and our lives would be illumined by the presence of our Lord. Friends, I wonder today if we have the faith to rest upon God's word, to keep the faith and continue to trust God even when it is difficult to do so. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says, faith is taking the first step even when you cannot see the whole staircase. But if we're honest, oftentimes that is easier said than done. It's actually a lot easier to empathize with Jonah who, knowing the difficulties ahead, turns and runs in the opposite direction. Up to this point, Jonah has been called by God refuses the call and runs away, then faces a storm and finds himself trapped in a situation from which only God can save him. He cries out to God, is placed back on dry land, and here again, God calls. Now there are quite a few sermons wrapped up in that summary alone. One that deals with divine rescue and grace even when we don't deserve it or one that looks at the relationship between turbulent waters and safety on dry land, maybe even one that reminds us that even though we might be isolated from people, we are never hidden from God. And friends, I know Jonah gets a bad rap for his reaction in this story, but I just wanna be the first to say, no is my favorite word, and running has often been my release. But time and again, I have also been reminded that you cannot outrun God. The safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. And while flight is comfortable, sometimes, friends, we are called to keep the faith and to stay and fight. And so if given the opportunity to interview Constance Mitchell and Reverend Franklin Florence, God rest both, of their souls, I would ask them if this was perhaps their motivation in working to transform Rochester in the aftermath of that 1964 uprising and in helping to form and lead fight. Freedom, independence, God, honor, today, fight. That community organization here in Rochester, New York, which fought against racism and white supremacy by demanding more jobs, better living conditions, and an end to the systemic pain that plagued black Rochester. But I also wonder if they felt like Jonah at times, 
uneasy about facing Nineveh because they worried about what implications that might have on them and their loved ones, worried about whether or not justice would prevail, if their efforts would produce desired results, if the demon of white supremacy would actually be cast out, and if accountability would ever be required of those who might eventually repent. Because you see, repentance has to come with accountability. You see, Jonah resisted for good reason. And next week, we will wrestle with what this might have meant in the context of the biblical story and its implications for where we might go from here but today. Today, I just want us to honor Jonah's obedience this second time, to consider the decision he took to take the first step, to set out and go to Nineveh and proclaim to them the message that God gave, taking the first step. Even when you cannot see the full staircase, an act of faith from which we might learn. Now, friends, we'd have to do some creative theological work to fully place this within the satirical story of Jonah, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful we have very real examples of people and groups within Rochester's history who demonstrated in various ways why taking the first step was important. They showed us how planting those seeds of faith could lead us to transformation and change, and they reminded us that taking the first step doesn't require us to know how it all ends. We are just required to put our feet to the pavement and go, to set out and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim the message of God. In Rochester during the 1960s and the periods immediately leading up to and following the 1964 uprisings, faith meant identifying existing organizations, forming an umbrella organization that would work collaboratively while also offering layers of leadership and decision-making authority. Faith, friends, meant acknowledging difference and still remembering that we are better together. It meant discussing strategy here at home and also inviting the expertise of those who successfully advocated for communal change in cities around our nation. Faith meant knowing we are not called to reinvent the wheel, but that we are called to draw on the resources and expertise of others in order to bring about more efficient change. Faith, friends, meant recognizing that in turning towards Nivea, None of us have to face it alone. Rochester's leaders of the time continued to plant these seeds of faith, taking those various steps in the direction of change, even without knowledge of how things might end. Taking a step of faith meant inviting leaders like Malcolm X to visit and speak to the city while also sitting down and consulting him in ways that would eventually empower Rochester's leaders to fight on an initial act, friends of faith, that they had no idea would end up being their last time engaging Malcolm X in the flesh. For just five days after his visit to Rochester in 1965, Malcolm X was killed. 
So you see, taking a step of faith would mean honoring those that came before you, continuing their fight for justice and organizing black power movements that prioritize the black community. It meant allyship by white leaders and activists which respected black leadership and, and supported specifically in the ways they requested. In 1965, taking the first step as white allies for civil rights meant, me, meant being intentional about where and to whom they committed their financial resources, understanding that what we fund says a lot about our commitment to justice. And that if we believe in the liberation of all of God's people, then when we recognize the economic disparities that plague some, we ought to use our resources to help them and make a change. And so today I'm grateful for leaders like the Reverend Franklin and those whose acts of faith led the organization fight to mediate and adjudicate housing concerns, to push for corporations like Kodak to hire black applicants and to take seriously any issue that members of the groups brought to the table. I'm grateful, friends, for leaders like Constance Mitchell, the first woman and African-American who would serve on the Monroe County Legislature, who understood the importance of supporting one another and working to change city policy, who demonstrated to others then, and who reminds us now that even if you cannot see the full staircase, even if you have no control over what the outcome will be, and even if the fight for justice continues some 60 years after your feet hit the pavement, we are each still called to take a step, to set out and go to Nineveh and proclaim what thus saith the Lord. You see, friends, Rochester has a complicated history. You've heard about some of it this month. Not everything was organized and well-received. Divisions existed and groups clashed. Some initiatives succeeded while others failed. Integration was on the minds of some while segregation was the preference for others. Rochester's history, friends, contains stories of people and events of which we should be proud, but also some of which we should be embarrassed. And yet, and yet faith in the context of Rochester's history has looked like a commitment to still take a step, to decide to do our part, even when we cannot control or see the outcome, to move beyond dialogue and discussion and towards demonstrations of change, to not just applaud prophets and leaders who speak truth to power, but to actually go out and make the changes personally that would impact change communally. It's to refuse to flee and hide and to instead stay and fight. So here's the reality. It is 2023, and police brutality, poverty, and oppressive policies still exist. Not just around the nation, but right here in Rochester, this place that we call home. And while some of us may live in areas that privilege us not to see any of these evils, the reality is they still exist which means that you and I have a choice. 
We could continue to dialogue and discuss these issues. We could massage our own egos by addressing them in ways that keep us comfortable. Or friends, we can get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message of God. We can view our role as the church as one that holds on to what's comfortable and convenient, or we can commit to acts of faith which cause us to confront evil and demand change. But here's the thing. Doing so is going to require something of us. Like Jonah, it's going to require us to get up and go, but it's also going to require us to give some things up. In order to bring the proclamation to Nineveh, in order to address the evils of the day, he had to move from a place of position and comfort and fear and meet Nineveh where they were. Now friends, it was also the doctor, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King who said, it is one of the tragedies of our nation that 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings is one of the most, if not the most, segregated hours in Christian America. And some 60 years after that declaration, we might need to ask ourselves how much of that has changed and how much has remained the same. On the surface, the initial intent of this message was to call for the Christian church to adopt a mindset in favor of integration, particularly in terms of our worship. And I do believe it was MLK's intention here to suggest that our pews ought to be more representative of the kingdom of God, within which true diversity is not only imagined, but enacted. Not just a set of boxes to check off, but a shift in our way of doing things as well. And so while I do agree on one hand that integration within worship is important, I also recognize where and how that might be impossible when doing so requires one group of people to deny or silence themselves to fit into what's being offered. So while I believe he was talking about our worship spaces, it is my contention that this is more about personal mindset than physical makeup. It's a call, friends, to consider physical and spatial integration while also resisting the urge to be performative. It means doing the internal work necessary to create space within our practices, policies, and positions to make sure everyone is comfortable sitting on our pews. The pew representing both where we position ourselves and who we are willing to be positioned alongside. And in that positioning, what are we willing to give up to make space for someone else? It requires us to ask ourselves what ideologies and theologies do we need to release in order for integration to be realized. It means asking ourselves how we have contributed to segregation in 2023, to consider how we aren't intentionally disrupting segregated mindsets, to ask ourselves, friends, what might it look like 
to do the work that requires us to ask questions about who the church is, what makes the church church, and what it means to prioritize being the church versus just doing church. Put a different way, what does it really mean to be a people of faith? And friends, how might Asbury First take that step of faith today? And I think the answer will depend on who we want to be remembered as. Will we be remembered as a people of faith who hid and fled every time God called us out of those places of comfort? Or will we be remembered as a people of faith who set out and went to Nineveh, choosing to go and fight, confronting the evils of today, even when it means confronting ourselves too? After all, that is the embodiment of love to which we as followers of Christ are called. So as that hymn that we just sung goes, if our love were but more simple, we should rest upon God's word and our lives would be illumined by the presence of our Lord. May it be so, amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, to live fully, to serve all, and then repeat.